Ryan Dixon and Rory Boylan host Tape to Tape, the hockey podcast by Sportsnet. Stokes the puck through the neutral zone. The Bruins change out man by man. Heinen to Pasternak. He scores! David Pasternak right off the bench, filling the gap, making himself available high in the middle of the zone, and he does not miss. Bank pass off the boards for Brown. Quickly ahead for Cadry. One man back. Cadry and scores! Holy Mackinac, he's on the board! And Nazem Kadri snaps in his first of the year, and the third and fourth lines have built a 3 nothing Toronto lead. Rory, is it too early in the hockey season to hate yourself over something you didn't say or didn't pick? No, 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 no. Okay. It's never too early for that stuff. Uh, okay, then I can really crank up the self-loathing here because I was all <laughs> ready to make David Pasternak my kind of under-the-radar Rocket Richard trophy winner. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? Best line. God, we saw that line so close when they played the Leafs in that series. You just saw the mastery there. I did a piece on him. Like, I saw the potential for him to get to, you know, 45, 46 goals. But then I just thought, ah, that just won't be enough. So I never put it out there. Here he is tied for the league lead on pace for, I don't know, like 83 goals right now. I'm probably not going to get there. But David Pasternak and that line, my God, like so good. I don't know why I it's you know what it is. It's because. Marchand is a guy who you never can divorce from his antics. Bergeron Mm -hmm. is a guy who you can never fully get past. Like, yeah, but he's not flashy. Yeah, but he's not flashy. Mm -hmm. And Pasternak's someone who's just coming on. So there's these like stupid little mental roadblocks that we just need to blast through and accept that those guys, that line, my God, are they phenomenal. They were the best line in hockey last year, and I don't know how you can't call them the best line in hockey this year, even with what's going on in Colorado or Dallas when they're fully healthy or Toronto. You know, there's a lot of great lines around the league, but that one has been doing it solidly for more than a year now, and and to your point, like, they're so well-rounded. They can do everything, and even though Bergeron like you said, isn't really flashy in the way he plays. He's still a dynamic player. They're all dynamic players. And I think you could take each one of them off that line and put them on their own line. And they would be drivers of of a line on their own. If Boston ever decided they needed to split them up, one of those guys could go out and make a secondary scoring line just fine. But they're so good. They're so dominant. They they just take it to the opposition too many times that they're going to stay together. Patrice Bergeron, long recognized as one of the best two-way forwards in the game. Not quite the same body of work, but I don't know if we can call it a secret anymore that Sasha Barkov, Florida Panthers captain, also very much in that elite, elite category. We've got a little treat for you this week on Tape to Tape. We're going to play you a clip from my hour-long interview. I had a nice lunch with Mr. Barkov in Boca Raton and... There's a story coming up on Sunday, sportsnet.ca, but wanted to share with you some of what I chatted about with Mr. Barkov, so make sure you stick around for that. We're also going to bust out a new segment, a game show, complete with some sound effects for you, friends. Producer show is going to jump in and fire some 
trivia at Rory and I in a segment that for now is called Game Show. More on that later. Speaking of fantastic offensive players, Rory, did you happen to catch that Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby extravaganza in Edmonton earlier this week? The best player in the world showdown? Loser's second best player in the world. <laughs> not a bad title to have. Not, not a bad title, but boy, oh boy, Sidney Crosby, that overtime winning goal. He got a couple in that game. This is why I would pick Sidney Crosby in a game seven, but I would pick Connor McDavid if bit, I'm building a sure. franchise from scratch because of the age and all that stuff. But in a game seven, it was on display in this game against Edmonton. Crosby just brings his game up to another level when when it's demanded of him. When the stage is a big one, he's always at the center of it, and he's creating and doing great things. And And coming into this game, he, like everybody, was hearing all this discussion of Connor McDavid is the best player in the game. Austin Matthews is coming and coming up very quickly on him, and nobody's really talking about Sidney Crosby. Hey, Sidney Crosby's won a whole bunch of cups and awards and gold medals and everything, way more than all these other guys have. He just doesn't put up the monster point totals that Connor McDavid is is capable of. And then he shows up in Edmonton and says, okay, I'm going to show you all why I am still the number one player in the world. And it was so great, too, that when he scores that overtime goal, who's kind of creeping in from the blue line, watching it front row, Connor McDavid. <laughs> well, yeah, three on three overtime. He's probably hoping a save gets kicked out and, and he turn way. around and go the yeah. other way. I think, too, I, if I have this right, it was Strom who he walked right before he put it past Talbot. And you just know Crosby in just a blink of an eye was like, oh, that's a forward. I can eat him alive. You know, like, yeah, I'm going to try this one. You can see when he goes into the corner first and he makes that cut back left, he kind of slows down like he's kind of surveying the ice. OK, what's the situation here? And he only needs that split second really to kind of break it down and know exactly what he can do. And like you probably recognize this is a forward and he sees the kind of path that he can take court towards the net in, in an instant. And then he just makes it happen so smoothly. And the puck's in the back of the net before, you know, it was a wild game. That yeah. was a fantastic game forth. to watch. Yeah. Back and forth. You ever have one of those moments where it, it, I'm reflecting back on this now, but I remember it was well, maybe 10 years ago and I'm sitting in the press box at Air Canada Center beside Chris Johnson and this will date it. Dustin Bufflin was still a member of the Atlanta Thrashers. Bufflin scored a goal. I can't remember exactly what his situation was, but it was one he desperately needed. So as tends to happen when someone scores a goal and you're, you're covering the game, you're kind of looking down to write down and look up and look down. And Chris, who I have to say is as observant as he just catches everything. Mm-hmm. Chris catches everything. That's why he's a hell of a reporter. He was like, oh, did you just see what Bufflin did? It was almost like he was... He reached behind his back like he was throwing the monkey off. And I was like, oh, no, that's dumb. There's no way that's that's no, 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 no. Well, 2009 or 10, Ryan, uh, you had horrible instincts because I was marveling at watching the Jets and Leafs. Nikolai Ehlers, Bufflin's teammate now. First goal of the year. What do you? It's not standard. The monkey off the back. You just fling that guy. We're seeing it everywhere. Kadri didn't do it. Should have. But he just looked to the heavens like, oh, thank God. Yeah, but such a you relief. can see the relief for both those players in another game that ended up being pretty, pretty tense and, and exciting in the third. And, and a little bit different in the way both of them, how they needed the goal. Like Ehlers wasn't playing very well. Right. Right. I mean, his center, Brian Little, was playing well. There's been a lot written about him and how his last five or six games have been really, really excellent. Excellent. Uh, with Kadri, it's a little different in that 
he actually was playing very, very well. He hit the post a number of times in, at the start of the season here. He's been getting his shots. He's been getting his chances. He was just snake bitten. Ehlers just wasn't playing all that well. So for Kadri, it's it's kind of like, oh, thank goodness. That's a relief. I'm now off the schneid. The luck maybe is going to start going my way now. With Ehlers, it's like, oh, well, maybe now this is going to kind of spark me to maybe I'll, there'll be better games to come for me because that's a guy the Jets really need to get, to get going this season. I mean, Line a hasn't been scoring. The thing with Line a is it's coming. He's, he's going to got explode. 12 goals and eight games coming just exactly. around the corner. That, that's what happened for guys who are snipers. That's what they are, right? They'll, they'll have hot spells. They'll have cold spells. At the end of the season, they'll have 40 or 50 goals or whatever the heck it is. Ehlers needs to do a little bit more with the puck, get, get assists, create plays and that sort of thing. Thing. So it was definitely frustrating to see him get the start. Kadri, I mean, he's one of the better 30 even strength goal scorers in the NHL. He, he had more even strength goals or, or just as many, either more or just as many as John Tavares over the past three years coming into this one. So he's bit, he's proven on there. He's not going to get as much ice time this year as he has in the past because of how they've loaded up at center there. But he, it was just so good to finally see him get going because a lot was made about him not scoring any goals through no fault of his own. Speaking of keeping with that game, Tavares, it struck me when I saw his goal, you know, there was a a lot said about how part of the pitch to get him here was you're going to play with Mitch Marner. And, you know, it's not like he's never played with good players before. Jordan Eberle, Mm -hmm. good player, Mm -hmm. good goal scorer. I mean, Matt Molson, yes, of course, Tavares made Molson, but good shooter, you know, Kyle Ocposo, good player, but man, you see Tavares score a tap-in after Marner takes to the net, sucks it through the defenseman's legs, Mm -hmm. you know, basically does all the work, and Tavares goes, ooh, thank you. And I was like, this must feel great for him. Like, hey, now I I get to score goals without having to do all the legwork? Like, what percentage of goals that Tavares' line scored during his time in New York was he clearly the driving force behind now he's getting the odd gimme here and there, right? That's yeah. Got, that's got to feel nice. This is why he wanted to play with Mitch Marner when yeah. he was tr- deciding whether or not to sign in Toronto. I think back to when they beat the Florida Panthers in the playoffs. John Tavares beat the Florida Panthers. Yeah. He scored that overtime goal in game six to send them on the whole series. It was John Tavares beating the Florida Panthers and not the rest of the Islanders so much. And then I also, when you say that about him letting the goal come to him instead of forcing it and creating it himself, I think back to last year. And that ridiculous back and forth along the boards with Sean Couturier, where he's oh, yeah. deking him out one yes. way and then the other and then the other and then the other. And then he fires it across. And I think it was Josh Bailey who was the one who put in the goal. Just an incredible play against one of the best defensive yeah. centers in the league having a career year. And John Tavares made him look like a fourth line plug who was in his NHL debut. Now, yeah, you get a guy like Marner, who is a creator, just a, a fa- fabulous skater, always finds open ice. And John Tavares is probably going to fight a lot more of those easy tapping goals. I mean, this guy could have a career year this year. When you couple that with the power play minutes and and how awesome that unit is and the goals he's going to get there, this could be the best season John Tavares has ever had. As part of our discussion on Barkoff a little later, I think we're going to chat a little just about all the great Finns that have been coming Mm -hmm. out of that country in uh, the last five years and some really high-end forwards. One of the guys we thought we'd be lumping in there would be Jesse Pugliarvi, but he just can't get her on track here. He he wa- he really wants to fling that monkey, but <laughs> it's not not really happening for him. No, he's he's really struggled here out of the gate. He's only got one goal. His minutes are falling and falling and falling. He played less than ten minutes in his last game, and now 
Uh, we're, we're learning just as we're recording this on Thursday afternoon that he's being a healthy scratch for the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Um, Which is so terrible for the team and player because, like, let's face it, just ask Patrick Maroon. The opportunity to blend with Connor McDavid, it, like, God, that can be, it can just, I mean, we mentioned Matt Molson and what a career that guy had because he, he could strike that chemistry and brought his part to what he had with Tavares. And yeah, maybe it was 75% Tavares, but Molson, for whatever reason, just found a way to mesh with him. And you've got to be sitting there being like, this is the chance of a lifetime and you just can't make it work. Yeah. And you look at this depth chart for the Oilers and what they need to really assert themselves as Stanley Cup contenders. They need scoring on that right side. Ty Ratty was started there with Connor McDavid on the top line. He's injured out for a month or so. I mean, he was doing okay. He was doing fine. But now Kyler Yamamoto is the guy getting the look there, and he's a minus one in two games, doesn't have any points alongside Connor McDavid. Pugliarvi hasn't really been given that much of a chance with McDavid, not at all this year. Um, they've more been hoping he was going to catch on with Leon Dreisaitl, who needs to figure out a way to drive his own line and and score goals because it's it, way too much is on Connor McDavid's shoulders right now. But neither of them have been able to do it. Both of them are high draft picks, especially Pugliarvi. Uh, there's a lot of expectations for these guys, and to see them be so slow when pick a team around the league and you'll see a early 20s star arriving, and it's just not happening for the Edmonton Oilers. The, the problem with this team is that they've had great success picking first overall. But beyond that, it's been a really, really bumpy road, especially when you look beyond the first round. There's almost nothing there. I think Mark Spector pointed out the only post-first-round pick that has worked out for this team in recent memory is Tyler Pitlick, and he's on the Dallas Stars right now, um, not doing a whole heck of a lot, although he has been up on their top line while Alexander Rodgelov has been missing time. Uh, But the point is, these guys have the pedigree to star in this league or be very good contributors in this league. They've been put in a position that's favorable for them to break out and it's not happening. And Poyarvi has been a healthy scratch. Yamamoto is still on that point where if he plays 10 games, his ELC will start. If he doesn't, you send him down to the AHL. He'll, his contract will slide for another year, but there's too much of a need there. Who else are you going to put in there? There's no way that they're going to send down Kyler Yamamoto before he plays 10 games. He's going to have to play the full season just because of the need for this team. What more needs to happen for these guys to finally get going and break out? Just quickly here, before we flipped on the mics, just before word trickled down, Commissioner Gary Bettman upholding the 20-game suspension handed out to Washington Capitals forward Tom Wilson. He, of course, was punished for an illegal check to the head of St. Louis Blues forward Oscar Sundqvist. That was in the preseason on September 30th. Wilson is forfeiting what would be just just a tasty salary of <laughs> 1.2 million, essentially That's a little, absurd. little hair over than that. I would think he it's, I mean, he can still appeal, but mm-hmm. it's going to end up being the 20 games, right? You would think so. They are going to appeal. I would think to this, so the PA can now go to an arbitrator who's going to rule on this. I mean, I'm not going to be surprised if the arbitrator comes down and 15. scales it back or something sure. like that, because that's what they tend to do. They look at the arbitration cases over the summer. They all just, here's what the team's offering. Here's what the right. player wants down the middle. That's what they are ruling on almost all of them. Um, this is a little different, but that's kind of what I think where it's going to end up. I just, 
he doesn't deserve it. He has been suspended so many times. He, he doesn't deserve he doesn't a, des- a break is yes, what you're saying. Yes, to be he clear. doesn't deserve a break. This should be 20 games, no doubt about it. The NHLPA is doing what it needs to do by, by appealing this thing. But the guy is going to, he has injured people. He has been suspended a number of times, even in the playoffs last year, a brutal hit. I mean, at, at what point does he get suspended for 30 games, 40 games? You know, if he comes back and five games later has another bad hit, you're going to do more than 20 games. The guy's a danger to other players on the ice. He's hurting his team. He's hurting his pocketbook. But this is, I was surprised to see the NHL suspended for 20 games. They don't often go that deep. But if it's going to happen for any player, Tom Wilson is the guy whose resume screams like this guy needs to be shut down for a long, long time. I don't even know if he's going to learn from this because you would think with all the suspensions he's faced already that he would have changed his game somewhat. Yeah. Um, it's not going to happen. This no. is the kind of player he is. Yeah. That's what the Capitals like about him, too. Not that he's out there injuring players, but that he plays with that reckless abandon and is so physical and uses his size in that way. That That's valuable to what the Capitals do. Hey. Sasha Barkov is six foot three, two hundred fifteen pounds, but he's a Lady Bing candidate, and it's not because he's a, a wimp out there. He is uh he's a, a Finn who knows how to to lean on people and get his nose dirty, but he does it in a, in a gentlemanly fashion. Coming up on the other side of the break, a little portion of a conversation I had just before the start of the season with Sasha Barkov, the new captain of the Florida Panthers. Just wanted to bring you inside what our uh, sushi lunch was like. So stick around for that on the other side of the break. Sasha Barkoff here on Tape to Tape. When we designed the GMC Sierra, we took inspiration from the Northern Lights. Was it because of the otherworldly sense of awe they impart upon us? Their breathtaking majesty as shining beacons of the tundra. Their energetic dance across the moonlit sky. No. It's because the Northern Lights are bright and the LED headlights on the GMC Sierra are bright too. Drive Canada like a pro. GMC, we are professional grade. Visit gmccanada.ca for more. Aaron, a free agent at the end of the year, unrestricted. He fires cross ice. Barkov got a stick on it. Barkov's on the move. Bukestad and Dadnoff are with him. Dadnoff carrying in. He's got a trailer. Goes for Barkov in front. He scores! The captain has tied it in two. Welcome back to Tape to Tape. Rory, as you know, I was recently, just a few weeks back, right before the start of the season, down in Florida, Miami, FLA, mm-hmm. Fort Lauderdale to be specific. Nice work if you can get it. Not too bad, I tell you. You certainly have yourself a margarita at the end of the work day. But the the trip, which was built around going down there to actually have lunch with Sasha Barkov, captain of the Florida Panthers, freshly minted captain of the Florida Panthers. That was the, uh, that was the whole intent behind the trip. Also had a good one-on-one with Roberto Luongo, but uh, the stress of the trip hit long before I got down there and started working. I know it sounds all relaxing and stuff with the palm trees and the waves, but I'll tell you what can throw a wrench into your plans in a real hurry. Forgetting your suitcase on the other side of customs (laughs) when you're walking through to catch a plane, because that's something I somehow managed to do. And it's not a good feeling when you are about 10 feet past 
the customs agent. Whoops. And yeah, you feel your shoulder bag on with your computer in there and you're like, yeah, this is normal. It's morning. This is all I usually carry. Oh crap. <laughs> I have a suitcase and, uh, producers a meal and show cover your ears but i have a suitcase with fairly sophisticated podcast recording (laughs) equipment in there that i just flat don't have with me anymore so i'll spare the listeners the long version but let's just say thanks to the cop who was at pearson who was like look i shouldn't be doing this but there was a few of us which also made me feel better who were idiots who forgot our uh bags or suitcases Somewhere along the line or around security, around customs, and the cop said, well, I'll see what I can do. And thank God my brown suitcase was one of the ones he found because I really thought that was going to be a long, long process that was going to, uh, to use a, a rounder's term, put me to a bet for all my chips. Am I getting on this plane <laughs> without it or am I trying to find a way to get it first? So. Yeah, things worked out in the end, and I had a wonderful sushi lunch with Sasha. I was going to say, so you remembered your chopsticks. How was the sushi? Fantastic. Fantastic. The man has good taste. So I was surprised to learn, and people can read about this in the story. That'll be up on Sunday at sportsnet.ca. Apparently, where Barkov is, where he's from, Tampara, which Mm -hmm. is uh, a city in Finland known to produce a lot of good players, Tempo Numenen, Jirke Lume, Patrick Laine. They love their chicken wings there. I really assume chicken wings, that sounds very North American to me. So the fact that apparently this place in Finland not only loves chicken wings, but does them, to hear these boys tell it, better than anyone, uh, was was a bit of a surprise. At first I thought we might eat chicken wings. And then it switched to uh, it switched to sushi, but uh, they love their saunas there in Finland. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you something because you have a friend from Finland, Marco, came over. He played in our beer league hockey. What a league, guy! A couple of years. Have you ever heard of? And I just heard about this for the first time today. Pesapalo. No. The Finnish version of baseball. Joe McDonald tweeted about this. Tuka Rask talking about it. Do yourself a favor. Go to YouTube and look up. Pesapalo, okay. P-E-S-A-P-A-L-L-O, and just watch it. It 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 looks amazing. I got I need to read about it and learn about it a little bit more because like these guys wear a little bit more equipment. It's kind of it looks like cricket in a way, but it it very much looks like baseball too. And the way they it looks like they have bases and all this stuff, it, it's wild. <laughs> so go go up, look it on YouTube. I'm surprised Marco never mentioned Pesapalo before. Oh, man. Shout out to Marco. You mentioned the saunas. When I visited Marco in uh, in Finland a number of years ago, he lived in a small one-bedroom apartment. There was a door to a room I assumed was the bathroom, and it was a sauna. Like, that's how much they <laughs> love it there. You got a bachelor pad, you got a sauna. So, yeah, I spoke to, to Barkov about all kinds of things like that. And before we play you about a five-minute clip, six-minute clip, from that interview, I have to say things have not gone the way he thought, I thought, and I bet you thought they were going to go for the Panthers. And when I was down there before training, or sorry, at the very end, it was uh, they didn't play their first game till the Friday. The schedule kicked off on the Wednesday for a lot of teams, so they were still practicing before they went to Tampa. You know what happened early on in that game? I mean, there's Luongo, who again I spoke to about how good he was feeling and. Mm-hmm. You know, just horrible luck with Vitrano falling on top of him. 
it's got to feel like a bit of a whatever can go wrong yeah. does go wrong situation, right? Yeah, and that was the worry is if anything happens to Luongo and he does have a history of missing games that, oh boy, now you have to count on James Reimer. And if anything were to happen to James Reimer or if he wasn't up to the task, oh boy, you're counting on Michael Hutchison, who's a great AHL goalie, but I'm not wanting to count on him in the NHL. And this is exactly what happened. Like you said, first game, Luongo's out. Here comes Reimer in and he has not been up to the task. Hutchison has been bad. The power play has been really bad, too. It, it, it was two for five against the Islanders on a Wednesday night, but that's a team you should be scoring on on the power play anyway. But they just, they've blown a ton of leads. A lot of that probably has to do with the goaltending, but the team defense has been hit or miss. Mike Hoffman's been on the third line. I mean, he can score goals, but sometimes they're a little soft on the puck. I, I love the way Dennis Malgan has been playing. He's like a little bit of a water bug and they scratched him from the lineup on Wednesday night. So there's just, there's nothing really going right for the team. The Michael Matheson two game suspension too. Like he's one of their top minute eating defensemen. So to even be without him for, even though it was just two games, when you're struggling, you need your big guys in your lineup. So it's going to be interesting to see. They go to Finland to play the Winnipeg Jets for a couple games, Barkov gets to play in front of his home country. With his, with his buddy Line A, they'll certainly buddy, be fetid there. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a tough matchup on its own. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if they come back from that. Um, what kind of effect is it? Does it bring them together? Do they come back kind of renewed? Does it tucker them out? Do they come back a little soft? Because, you know, we talked about Edmonton needing to, you know, recover from their slow start, and it looks like they have. It's not going to be too long here before Florida's going to find themselves too far out of it um, that maybe <laughs> they're going to have to think about reassessing. Maybe we're not going for the Stanley Cup. Maybe we need to dial back this a little bit and, and think about trades from a different perspective. Oh, my God. I, it's the same thing, But man. that's like, the thing. It never so happens. I, we talked about it in the context of Columbus, though. I really am a firm believer that there are teams in situations where you just have to push forward. You can't do even a half-step back or not a serious one anyways like florida the way things have gone yep. with the history of not making the playoffs to me that i mean off the top of my head i don't know i don't think they have anyone who's like due as a ufa next summer but if they did they would be a team that i'd be saying just keep them well, you just have to keep them and see what you get yeah and it's not like you would trade luongo but he's the interesting one in that right now the cash the actual cash coming to him in salary is three just a little over three million dollars and next year is the first year it drops to around one million dollars he was one of those front-loaded contracts that are now outlawed so frustrating because so he's he been so good when he played yeah. when he's played there oh, he since he's gone, gone back there five years ago he, he's He's has one of the best save percentages in the league over that time. Last year, he was so, so good. But you have to wonder, is he going to play for a million dollars? Is he going to retire? And then the salary cap implications that would follow for the Vancouver Canucks. But then also just the playing implications. What does that do for the Florida Panthers? You're not going to go into next season with James Reimer as your number one. Where are you going to find this goalie? Not really the easiest thing to do. There are a number of, like, Buffalo was a team that really needed to go out and improve their goalie. And they got Carter Hutton, who's never played more than half of a season before. So it's not an easy thing to do. Um, and it's a, it's it's something that they might have to be staring down here. There's not really any big UFAs. I'm just taking a quick look here. The biggest one is probably Alex Petrovic, who's got favorable uh, analytics numbers. But he's also used very fair. He's very, very slow. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be too worried if they lose him. So this team should be in place. And they will be a pretty strong forward unit. Defense is not too bad either. It all comes down to the goaltending and how are they going to figure that out. A couple funny things from hanging out with Barkov, which was great. And I was, you know, very appreciative that um, a, a player 
you know, set aside that time to have lunch. Doesn't happen a whole lot for the lowly writers. We ask for access yeah. all the time, but um, very rare that you get to, you know, just even get people away from the rink and see a little bit of different sides of their personality sure. and stuff like that in a different setting. The one flaw interviewing someone over lunch, of course, is tough for them to eat right <laughs> because yes. they're sitting there talking all the time yeah so he's kind of like sitting there and like i'm focusing on answering your questions and a couple times uh, i've been joking like but the spicy sandwich you're, you're, really good you're kind of like italian grandma you're like eat 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 please no go ahead let's take a break and eat but a funny story he told me too that i just like the picture of this in my head the way it plays out was just it was causing me to chuckle he was saying he never really played basketball in finland comes here you know, lives in, in Boca Raton and just like outside his house, there's this park and there's a lot of guys who play pickup basketball and like, don't forget, you know, Southern U.S. warm climate, like you can play basketball year round there. The guys who just pick up and play guys and girls are really good, right? So he's saying, I go down, I, I'll shoot some hoops, maybe I'll play some one-on-one, but he's like, I can't really get in on the game and I'm like, so funny. Here's this pro <laughs> athlete, absolutely cut six foot three guy. And I'm picturing the kid in the road hockey game who's like just moved to town and shooting rocks to the side. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I hope someone invites me to play. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. Thing. Now this guy makes six mil a year. He's a pro athlete. And it's like, no, no, you can't jump in with just the locals yeah. here. And this just this pickup game. So that vision of like, oh, poor Barky on the, you know, <laughs> on the side of the court. Anyway, uh, we're going to play you about, uh, like I said, five or six minutes from my sit down with uh, Mr. Barkov in Boca Raton. So let's cue that up and you can have a, a little listen to uh, what it sounded like as we uh, put back the Chilean sea bass bombs and awesome rolls. So this is a, a good opener then since you were looking up uh, your man's stats there. Like any theory on all the Finnish guys who are so good right now? Like, I mean, so you were you were second overall, obviously line A. You know, Aho is doing what he's doing. Uh, Habs have caught Kinyami up. Like, is it just like, oh, you know, these things go in cycles? Or would you say something happened to kind of change things? I think like Finns are always been good. Yeah. I think like something probably those junior championships when they won under twenties, under eighteens, they opened everybody's eyes and like started drafting Finnish players like more and more and because I, I feel like Finns have been always good. Uh just water's fine for me, thanks. So in my opinion they have been always good but right now they're just like of course, there's probably a lot of good examples like Grandon is really good right now, and like ma- many others, and Line and Puliarvi and sure. guys like that. So yeah. scouts starting believe in Finns, so and that's a good thing. Which probably makes you guys feel pretty proud and feels pretty cool, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. A, I think it's for you too, like to see a lot of Europeans in. In NHL is always nice. Yeah. Um, so I was taking my best guess at what language. What do you What do you speak to your parents? Russian. Russian. So who do you speak Finnish to? Your brother? No, just my friends. Just and, your friends. Yeah. I so, grew up in Finland, but all my family is Russian. Is so you grew up speaking Russian uh, to them, and then you go outside to school 
and then it's finished. Yeah, I've been always telling like whenever anybody asks like if I feel more Finnish or Russian, I say I'm Russian at home. When I open the door and leave the house, I'm Finnish. <laughs> So do you feel a kinship with the Russian guys too? Like Dadnov comes over, I'm sure you feel a connection there as well, right? Yeah, and it's like, it's actually a little bit weird because they're from there, they always lived in Russia, so they're, they're a little bit different yeah. than I am. I'm just like, I grew up in a Russian family, but I never lived in Russia, so... And I feel like I'm, I'm Russian, but I'm not as Russian as them. And the same thing with Finnish guys. I'm Finnish, but not as Finnish as them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of like in the middle. So I was talking to uh, Vili Nieminen, and he, he obviously has some pretty good stories. Do you remember being like nine years old? and Thank you. And playing uh, outside with him and saying, hey, I, I think you know my dad. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was actually the lockout year. Two thousand four or five. Right. Chris, Chris, Thank you. Yeah, that was lockout year. Thank you. So my school where I where I was where I went in the school. I was on the like skating outside and he came up there with his son. Like his son was three years old or four years old. So I was with my friend and. He came there with like a NHL star, and like my dad played with him. Probably, probably doesn't know me, but he probably knows my dad, and of course he knew me too because of my dad. And then like ten years later, we're playing in the same team, in the same line in the, Finland. The way he tells it is pretty funny because he's like, because uh, I I wasn't sure if he knew your dad or not, and. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, you know the family pretty well. And he's like, well, yeah, I played with his dad. He was, like, my one of my mentors, right? And one day he's like, uh, oh, I'm leaving. Uh, I, I just had a son. I got to go. And then he's like, nine years later, I'm watching this kid play. And I'm like, it kind of looks familiar. He's kind of doing the same thing. I kind of recognize this stuff. And then he's like, you, yeah. yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So he's a uh, – he's – you know, has was a big influence on you when, like you said, nine years later, whatever it was after that, you're playing together. When you, I think you were just you had just turned 17 at the start of that season, right? That was uh, your draft year. Yeah, and that was actually lockout year too. That was oh yeah, 12, 13. That's right. So like yeah, that was probably the first first weird thing happened to me. Like, I mean, I played with him, then I played with Celani in oh. Olympics, then I all of a sudden played with Jager here. Like, all of my idols growing up, I played with them. So, like, I'm really lucky to be able to do that. When it's happening, are you like, I can't believe this is happening? Like, I can't, be- like, I can't believe I'm sitting in the room with Timu Solani? Yeah, that, that was like, I mean, Celani and Jager, obviously they're best players in the world of all time and you sit with them in the same room and like look at him and like what's going on it's my dream or what yeah that's pretty crazy so what was it like growing up with a hockey dad then like I'm guessing you were at the rink a ton and your brother's older than you but yeah both of you would I mean you probably lived at the rink right he was playing tennis so he he was more with the like playing tennis, okay. and I play tennis too, so I saw him there and saw, him, saw my dad at the rink, and 
So pretty much like all my life, I was either at the hockey rink or tennis, yeah, tennis courts. Okay. Feel free to dig in, by the way. Like, don't, <laughs> don't I don't want to feel make you feel like you're uh, you can't take a bite. Damn. Good <laughs> recommendation, man. What do we got here? Spicy salmon on tuna. Oh, nice. Well, there you have it. That is a sample of my conversation with Sasha Barkoff. There was a whole lot more discussed that day. To read the full story, go to sportsnet.ca on Sunday. It is the big read for that weekend. You should always be checking out the big reads every Sunday and a lot of Wednesdays. I don't want to say every Wednesday, but most of the Wednesdays, there is a big read as well. Rory, the listeners know by this point they're getting a little Red Sox talk. Boy, watching the Sox in the World Series, it is glorious. However, the five-hour baseball game can sometimes be a little too much to have on the main TV screen Mm -hmm. in the family home. I'm sure maybe you've bumped up against this as well. There's only one solution, Sportsnet Now. You go to the website or flip up your iPad, your phone, Fire up the SN Now app, and boom, you're watching the Sox on a second screen. The baseball, the, excuse me, the person who's not a baseball fan in your family can still be happy watching whatever's going on, and you are not missing a second of the action that I have to say it's just been going a little too well, right? Like, yeah, is it, this just feel a little supposed to be too, this easy? Yeah, it wasn't not, supposed to be this easy. For sure not supposed to be this easy, but I'm loving what I'm seeing from the Sox, and it's often on the SN Now app. So you should be checking that out as well, whatever you want to watch that is available on Sportsnet. Get it through the SN Now nap. SN Now app. That's a mouthful, friends. All right. Coming up on the other side of the break, we are going to break into a little bit of a game show. We've got a fun segment coming up, a little bit of trivia. Producer's show is cooked up for Rory and I, so stay tuned for some game show action on the other side of the break on Tape to Tape. Welcome back. Tape to tape, friends. It is time for everyone's favorite game show. Game show! What a great name. Okay, we don't have a name for the game <laughs> show yet. And that's where you come in. Feel free to suggest one because we just flat out haven't thought of a good one. We've just been calling it game show. At Rory Boylan. At Dixon on Sports. Got any suggestions for what the T2T game show should be? Let us know, man. Let us know. I guess it would help to know what it's all about. In fact... Rory and I are a little curious because we don't know what's coming in terms of the questions. Producer show has cooked them up here. We're going to turn it over to him shortly. We'll all get a sense for what's going on here and we'll come up with a name. And if game show remains the best name, then we'll just keep it as game show. All right. Producer show. What do we got first? Well, you know, I was actually thinking maybe we could just call it game show. Ah, show game, show game. You are in charge of it. (laughs) Well, for this section, uh, and I would ask you a couple questions. I have, I have not shared the questions with you or with producer Emil either, actually. He, uh, he has no idea what questions I'm about to ask. But I figure we would keep it a little more modern. We're not going to go any historical questions. We're keeping okay. it to this season. 
Okay. So that helps. I hope that helps a little bit. Please answer in the form of a question, otherwise you will be penalized. Okay. <laughs> I'm starting to get a sense for what this game show might be based on. Do we on. have buzzers? <laughs> we will. Uh, that's coming uh, after the budget uh, budget cuts, but maybe in later episodes. If you guys are ready, we'll get right into it. Let's do it. For both of you guys, which team has yet to score a single goal at home? There's only one team in the NHL. Uh, has yet to score a single goal at home. Arizona Coyotes. Who are the Arizona Coyotes? Ryan nailed yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Took them a while to score their first at five on five. That I should have. That, that's a good guess. Well, yeah. so I was like, who's played the fewest games? Edmonton and New Jersey were over in Europe. Oilers not so great, but then we had that showdown yes. with Sid and Connor. A lot of goals. And I was like, wait, there's a lot of goals in that game. Yeah. I guess they scored a goal at home. And I, you know, the Coyotes done a little better this week, but I knew they were out on the road. So, bam, the Coyotes kind of sneaky, disappointing team already, right? Like, oh, for sure. I, I mean, Galchenyuk's just getting back. It would be nice if do hey, they have enough goal scorers? Is, is sure. the question around them now? They, 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 their defense has been fantastic, yeah. allowing the fewest shots in the league. It did take them a ton of time to get their first five-on-five goal there, though. Anti Rant has still been great, but definitely a disappointing start to the season for them. All right, show. What's next? I like game show. <laughs> I hate it. Well, maybe you might like this one a little better, Rory. Yeah. Which goalie leads the league in shutouts at this point in the season? Who's Keith Kincaid? Oh, oh you nailed that one. Oh. Boom. Play for bonus points. Can you name which teams he has had shutouts against? Oh. Edmonton? No. No, they scored one in that game. The Islanders? Not the Islanders. Rangers? Not the Rangers either. Devil's inter-squad game. <laughs> I was going New York area. The two games Kincaid has shutouts against are 6 nothing win over the Washington Capitals to oh, start yeah. the season. Right. And a 3 nothing win over the Dallas Stars. Oh. Yeah, the Stars and the Capitals. Oh. Kincaid, the old stick with it, friends. Don't turn your back on your dream. <laughs> possibly teeing up, possibly uh, a segue to... Corey Schneider fake trade before too long? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, this is one I, I think know. we need to come up with. Yep. Oh, man. Yep. That's exciting. If Schneider gets back. Now, the thing, if you're the Devils, is go back to last year's playoffs where yeah. Kincaid, not so hot. Yeah. Corey Schneider came in. I think the number's pretty good the, for him, yeah, the rest just, of that Tampa even series. Even before but, his injury, he was just trending down and down and down and down. But he's been so good in the past that... Yeah. Maybe you just bank on him a, recovering to some level. He's a sneaky old guy, right? Because he was the understudy for so long. Yeah. Then when he finally got his chance, it was like, oh, yeah, he's already 27, right? It yeah. felt like, oh, now the 22-year-old guy. But no, he was, I don't know. I still, Corey Schneider is one of those guys, like, let's just say the Devils do say, you know what, Kincaid's our guy. He's earned it. Um, you know, we want to improve somewhere else on our team. Let's see what we can get. I still feel like. What, cause he's 32, I think. If he comes back and shows, you know, everything is healed, hip, doing all right. I don't know, man. I'd be tempted to take a, a shot at him. I would keep him. I, I would feel much better. Or keep, I, don't think, I, 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 I would keep him because I don't think you're going to get enough back for trade to make it worth your while. Sure. As opposed to if you're going into the Stanley Cup playoffs and Keith Kincaid is your number one, I would rather have Corey Schneider as my backup way would feel pretty good about it. last year's Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals used two goalies in the playoffs Fair. I would rather have Schneider in that role than like I don't know a third round pick or something whatever you're gonna get for him I yep. don't even know what that would be fair enough unless you want to swing for the fence 
Last question for you guys. You're tied, so whoever gets this question this wins big. the inaugural edition of Game Show. <laughs> it's on. Okay, so... Of Game Space Show. <laughs> yeah, show is in, like, quotation marks right, when, you, when we say that. For both of you guys, who are the five players, and you have to name each one of them, okay? Who are the five players, as of Thursday night, who each have 15 points or more? Okay, Austin Matthews. Yeah. Patrice Bergeron. John Tavares. David Pasternak, Nathan McKinnon. What do we need? One more. One Mika, more. Mika Rantanen. Mika Rantanen. Oh. Oh. Nice. Well, I don't know if we were supposed to work together. <laughs> I don't know if that was the spirit of the show. But damn it, teamwork always wins out in uh, in hockey. <laughs> well since done. We, since we struggled with this one, I'll give you the tie on the first right. season of the game show. <laughs> well, we don't want we don't want anyone feeling like they lost out. We don't want any sore losers here on the inaugural edition of game show having just done a story on Barkov, you, you really start drilling down on it my god Finland's producing a lot of good forwards in the past like really starting with Barkov yeah. uh in terms of going high but he was second overall line a was second overall yep Kotkiniemi was third overall yep. aho is uh looks like a killer right now yep this year's draft two kid named Capo Caco. We're going to have so much fun saying this guy's oh, name. He's, he's a top five pick right now. Might end up as the number two overall. I don't think anybody's going to take down Jack Hughes, but that's like, he's a goal scorer too. He's got great vision. Great, great assist guy. He's really just an all around great guy. So there's another player coming yeah. in and on defense too. Their defense, like Miro Heiskanen is coming in here to the NHL and he's looking fantastic. It's uh, Finland. I think might be the only other country where hockey is the undisputed number one, right? Like yep. Russia jump ball between hockey and soccer. I would think probably the same. more soccer. I would think same for Sweden. I don't know. Again, if anyone wants to jump in and uh, correct us or help us out at Rory Boylan at six and on sports, but I, it's like, I think it's like skiing sports more. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's Norway. That's true. That's um, true. But Finland, it's, it's number one, man. It's number one. Well, yep. and also the, Finished form of baseball, obviously, yes. that <laughs> we should all get on YouTube Look it up. and check out. While you're on the net, don't forget to check out the Tape to Tape podcast at sportsnet.ca. You can also subscribe in iTunes. One more shameless plug. Check out my piece on Sasha Barkov, Sportsnet Big Reads on Sunday. Make sure you check back next time for more Glass Rattling. Hockey action on Tape to Tape.